0: welcome to Healthcare
1: Now. This is Dr. Mark. I'm here with Larry Jones, and we're going to have a fun show today. We've got a couple of guests, and we're going to get right into that. You've been busy all week at a big Uh, meeting. You want to talk about that?
2: We're going to spend a couple sessions talking with Nicole Bradbury, Mm -hmm. who's the CEO of the Florida Association of Accountable Care Organizations. Excellent. She'll be on the show. But right now, we've got Jeff Mitten with us. Right here He's in the, the studio. Executive Director of Premier Health Networks out of Augusta, Georgia.
1: Welcome, Jeff. Thank great you so much. It's great yeah. to be here. Yeah, it uh-huh. should this be a lot fun. of fun. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a good time, yeah. and yeah. every yeah. once in a while, we learn something. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's a good thing. <laughs> That's even a better yeah. deal. I think, you know what? Uh, maybe I learned something, but uh, I don't know. And hopefully, our <laughs> <laughs> listeners learn something. But, you know, yeah. I don't know. That's I think a good objective. I'm all for that.
2: Well, Jeff came down to be part of the Flacco's conference. It was a three day conference at the Hilton Bonnet Creek down there, yeah disney nice started monday ended late yesterday right and then jeff came over to spend a couple days at our ipa (laughs) seeing what we do nice in all the programs and he'll be here till monday right so jeff
1: is involved in the same same program same thing we do yeah so Mm -hmm. it is it's it's nice to share we've talked a lot about taking these models nationally Mm -hmm. and really giving advice and and you know who would who would be interested and you know not really trying to monetize it but just try to say there are ways that the independent physicians can continue on, and we right. need to do it as a group, right? And yeah. once you get across state lines, it's all, the game's totally different. Yeah. yeah. To me,
3: the doctors are endangered. Independent physicians are an endangered species, or becoming. No one. No doubt. And so, our, I'm, my mission is to help keep that from happening. Yeah.
2: And that's exactly what we do here. But yeah. Jeff, tell us a little bit about Premier Health Network and your role up in Augusta, uh, because you do do a lot of the same things we do at IPN, mm-hmm. and we like to hear from areas that. Uh, do what we do in other other parts of the country.
3: Great. Thank you. I appreciate that. So Premier Health Network is, we just hit over 505 providers. We're about 390 physicians, and the rest are advanced practice professionals, mid-levels. There's different terms for that. There seems to be controversy over... Yeah. what they're called. And, and little, they'll always be a little sensitive yes, about sure, that, right. but but they're important. We never
2: know how many docs we have, right, Dr. Right. Mark? No, no. <laughs> so
3: I, I talk in terms of providers, because one of the themes we heard this conference is that there's everybody, there, it takes a village and it's not just doctors anymore. Absolutely. There's a lot of other, other pr- providers involved, including behavioral health. I mean, you run the gamut, social workers and all that. So. It, it we are provider uh, our providers are essentially we're a mix of twenty five percent PCP seventy five percent specialists so mm-hmm. a little specialist heavy. I really want to get us to yep, more the ratio yep. where you are. Yeah, we're yeah. still specialist heavy, but yeah, we're not about thirty
2: five sixty five. Yeah, that's where yeah, I want to yeah, be. Yeah. yeah, that's where they want to be. Good spot.
3: So um, we cr- cross all the specialists. The only specialists we don't have in our network are the pediatric subspecialties at a okay. Augusta University. Uh gotcha. Because gotcha. there's three hospital systems now. Piedmont uh, they call it Piedmont Augusta it was University Hospital up until March of this year, and then Doctors' Hospital, which is an HCA hospital, yeah. uh-huh. and then the Teaching Hospital, Augusta University. I mean, we used mm-hmm. to be part Premier Health Network up until January of 2021 was affiliated in a PHO relationship with University Hospital. Right, but right. Since they were going into this relationship with university, with Piedmont, yeah then we essentially had a divorce. I mean, and they they, they can do both. They wanted it and we and it's kind of worked out because at the end of the day for independent, uh, independent clinical integrated network. Which we are, right? Okay, so we're not a, a, not just an IPA. We're a, an IPA that's clinically integrated. Then we are able to go out and negotiate all the contracts on behalf of the physician, all the right. providers. right? Right? And, yeah, because those yeah. those are carved out. They yeah. have their own own contracts, right. their own thing. Right. And you have to sort of make special. Rem- yeah, we we're under a PHL, but we've had we've done yeah. all stuff se- We've separated yeah. that. So it's been a busy year and a half. Okay. But it, but in doing that, we're not. We don't have any bias or any sort of turf to protect sure. in hospital utilization. We right. can okay. truly. Steer business to the highest quality, lowest cost providers and facilities. Well, Jeff, you
2: mentioned pediatric subspecialties. Dr. Mark actually was part of a large group here in Florida called Kids Docs. Tell me a little bit about that.
3: Well, we were uh,
1: pediatric subspecialists here in central Florida and uh, basically came together to develop one of the children's hospitals here in Orlando. Uh, but it's fun because that group of physicians is a is a really unique group, and we have a, a lot in common with each other and not as much with a lot of other physicians so it was it was a great great yeah. part to be and it sort of grew into the idea of how do you organize physicians because you know the our listeners can't hear the eye rolling that will go on when I say you know we're not all that easy <laughs> to work with right and so it is it's it's difficult and it takes some some Either additions and renditions of what you're going to do to really figure out how to do that. Right. Did you have other organizations prior? Well,
3: we have also nine ambulatory amb- surgery centers. Uh, gotcha, gotcha. Because we, when we were part of a PHO, we took those with us. The hospital wanted to just have their employed physicians. With their, and they knew they were going into this relationship with Piedmont, mm-hmm. so they didn't feel like they needed a PHO because Piedmont so has its own. So the network
2: owns those ambulatory surgery centers or the doctors in your network? The doctors own them. So okay.
3: we're, yeah. or the, the ownership of our network is phys- physicians are shareholders. They own it. Correct. I'm an officer, report to a board. Of nine physician shareholders, a mix of primary care and specialists. We have several committees: a credentialing committee, we've got a clinical quality committee, mm-hmm. and we have a quality performance and uh, performance and awards distribution committee. Right. It was combined. We just separated them because physicians in our network, our culture, is physicians make decisions about make policy decisions about how the money is distributed. Gotcha. Because we're earning, we're over, we're not, we're still young as a CIN in growing, but we're over $2.5 in wards money, which isn't a crazy amount of money, but right. it's a start.
1: Yeah, no, that's yeah. good. Right? I and mean, so, for that number of you know, people, that's pretty good.
3: Yeah. Nice. So so we've got probably uh, about 35,000 attributed lives between commercial uh, okay. blues and Medicare Advantage plans and Medicaid. For,
2: for a size of Augusta, and I know you, you and I were talking earlier, you mentioned that many of your physicians are very rural.
3: Yes, this, they are. There's so a how number does of, that work? so we, we we get out i 've got a team of three uh, performance improvement specialists. They go out and meet directly with the practices on mm-hmm. site and then they do some remote work as well, but it 's a little more travel, of course, yeah. mm-hmm. to get to those, but there's so many primary care groups that are just leaving so much money on the table and not several things are you know, with in a value based environment an ecosystem, physicians have an opportunity to earn more money than they 're earning today, sure, for improving they're. performance, making yes. a contribution right, right? right. affecting lives that being smarter about healthcare, care. And in doing so, there's more utilization, reduced utilization that comes out of hospital systems sure. where there's a lot of unnecessary utilization. So the, the you know the, the I guess the social contract is is that as the doctors work more effectively to do that, then they'll earn more awards dollars and will save, will reduce healthcare costs overall. Right. And so a lot of these primary care physicians are referring to large you know to the into Augusta or, or some of the rural hospitals, they need help. In knowing how to close gaps, HEDIS gaps and yeah. so forth to earn pay performance dollars, and, and where to send people, right? Where to yeah. send people? So we're we're there to support them. So we have people that go out on site and help them um, with with coding to the highest specificity to help improve the yeah. the RAF scores and all that. So it's, that's it's, one
2: of our biggest challenges: yeah. the HCC Medicare HCC. risk coding, right?
1: Right. And you know, yeah. we talk about this almost every week. Where, where when we talk about how being smarter saves money the first thing that our listeners are thinking about is, well you know probably isn't as good a care and time and time again it's been shown through study after study that it improves care that when we do these metrics that teach us how to address things more efficiently the outcomes are better
3: right and no you know
1: and it's and I have to admit I mean it's, it's it's sort of counterintuitive to the American economy because we just figure the more money you throw at it the more valuable it is and the better it is. And that's clearly not the case here, which is another beauty yep. why I think that, that value based medicine is going to last a lot longer than Without the, a doubt. just the, the old ACO right. and the old yep. HMO and, right. and things that change every seven to 10 years. Yep. This seems to be sticking.
2: Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. You got 10,000 new people a day joining the roles of Medicare.
1: Sure. A that's, a, that's a big yeah. number, and yeah. so yeah.
2: and yet yeah. the healthcare system is at four point six trillion today, going to eight trillion right. by twenty thirty. And I realize a lot of those additional costs are because additional people are enrolled in these programs. Yeah, some, yeah. But overall, it doesn't look like the value based movement is making the biggest impact. Certainly, it is on quality, right. but not on cost, Doctor Mark. Well, what I are think, your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I don't really think that we've seen the overall results because the, the places where we're going to see the needle move when we look at what healthcare costs, yep. they're looking from all angles, and it's it's a closed system, right? right? So we know where the government costs are, and the the largest majority of those government sponsored plans aren't in value based medicine. I mean, we're we're unique here. We have a right. lot of value based stuff and you know government sponsored, yep. and but that's that's unique. You know, even though the original ACOs launched that way, those didn't work, right? right? So right. this is this is edition 2.0 or 5.0 probably, right. 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 and it's starting to work. So I don't think that you're seeing that dollar amount because we talk about this every week. Where where's the big money spent, Larry? Pharma. Pharma. And, and they're including in the patient, cost of insurance. Inpatient outpatient. Inpatient, yeah. Right. yeah. Inpatient. So, mm-hmm. so we're right. going to see the number of inpatient, inpatient costs come down. Imaging. Yeah. Imaging.
2: Imaging. 17% of total right. expenditures. I mean,
1: based on that 4600000000000 trillion, we're looking at like 36 cents on the dollar is on inpatient right. hospital exactly. care. Exactly. That's right. exactly
2: right. And yep. so
1: that's, that's 36%. Yep. We're going to see that shaved down, but it's, that's not going to move the overall number. It's just
2: going to move right. to another area. Which well, that's, is that's my
1: concern. Yeah. That's my concern. Yeah. I think that if, if we don't if we don't look at this at where the profits are, and, you know... And, yeah, we and, and, talk
2: about that a lot. Yeah, we
1: talk about that yeah. a lot. And, and so, you know, you'll have to go back on some of our podcasts because the, right. the thought is, you know, when you identify where the profits are, we know that physicians have been told since the 80s with the stark yeah. laws that... You're not allowed to make those gross profits, yeah. and by gross, I mean right. gross. Well, the physician and, and
2: controls less than eight cents on the dollar.
1: Yeah, it's probably yeah. looking at probably looking at thirteen to fifteen here I think and there. Value when,
2: based and yeah. shared savings have made a difference. Yes, but you know, I don't see that needle moving very much, Doctor Mark. No,
1: because yeah. the the big numbers we're not. Yeah. That's not part of the value based yeah. until we can affect yeah. like where you're going to do your radiology. Yeah. So radiology right. costs can right. be brought down a great yeah. a great Without deal. A doubt. But but you know, it takes it takes time, yeah. and and as much as we've all been in this game for a few years now, right. that's not enough to change this right. huge ship. Yeah. I mean, it's like that. So so you, have, you haven't brought it up, but but Jeff and I are both military guys. Yeah, so we yeah. Can appreciate. Yeah, let me
2: bring that up real yeah, quick. We already had a push-up contest. Uh, I am contest. sitting here with two <laughs> retired lieutenant colonels in in the army. Yep. What an honor. Yep. We're yeah.
1: going to work out right after the show. We're going to do Welcome that both yeah. of you guys. We're going to kick Larry's butt. We're like, going to count push
2: ups between exactly. the two of you guys <laughs> right. after this show. Well, so <laughs> yeah. so, it,
1: so it kind of makes us take a second thought where, so our first careers were with the thing that is the largest part of the budget. Oh, yep. And our <laughs> second careers are the second largest mm-hmm. yes, part of the budget. That's right. So we're the 20% we're GDP. Exactly. Right, which so, yep. is growing. Yeah. And so when you look at those things, that giant ship, if you will, you know, which yeah. is medical care. Yep. It's going to move a little slowly to get to a change, and and I do believe that value based care is going to get us
3: further to that change than the other things that we've seen. Yep. yeah. Yep. I don't know what yep. will if if value based care doesn't do it. I I yep. think we're well. You know, <laughs> we've you know, got to do it. I, I to say it's state. our
2: last shot, Jeff, but it's close to it. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, yeah. I think the next things are all the things that we are vehemently against. Right. You know, whether it's single payer right. or, or you know yeah, yeah, that, or that kind of thing. Right. 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 So so I think that that's. A huge issue that we have to follow up on, but we—I've been—I've gotten more confident every year that we've been in this value-based game yeah, that, yeah. that it's the right yeah. game. Yeah.
2: Well, Jeff, you're—you're uh, going to stay with us the rest of the show. I am, thank you. And uh, we're going to bring Nicole Bradbury on in a minute. Okay, the uh, CEO of the Florida Association of Accountable Care Organizations who you actually participated in that conference. I did. I met
3: Nicole. She's wonderful. Three-day conference.
2: You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. Our website is behindhealthcarenow.com. That's behindhealthcarenow.com. So we'll be right back, Dr. Mark.
0: You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry.
3: The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of
4: medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us. IPNetworkFlorida.com.
2: Navigate the healthcare process like never before. Due to popular demand, Healthcare Now is also airing on Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. Join me, Larry Jones, and Dr. Mark on Healthcare Now, Thursdays at 7 p.m. and Saturdays at 1.
0: AM 950, FM 94.9, The Answer, and at TheAnswerOrlando.com.
1: You have found Dr. Mark and Larry back in the uh, studios, and we've got a couple of guests on. We had Jeff Minton with a, what's going to stay with the uh, all three or four segments, yep. three yep. more segments. And then, Larry, who have we got on the line?
2: Yeah, welcome, Nicole Bradbury, who is the founder and CEO of the Florida Association of Accountable Care Organizations, called FLACOS. Uh, we just had our annual, ninth annual conference down at the Hilton Bonnet Creek this week, Dr. Mark, Monday through Wednesday. And we are so glad to have you on the show this evening, Nicole. Uh, you just completed your ninth year. Tell us about the Flacos organization, and then let 's talk a little bit about the conference.
4: Sure, sure. well, first, thanks for having me. Um, you know, great to be part of this program. Um, we had a great show you know i 'm sure we're all feeling a little exhausted from it, but in a good way. <laughs> um, the ninth year, like you said, and you know I think every year they get better and better, and this was no exception.
1: right. So yeah, you guys have had it here in Orlando all nine years or
2: all nine years. Yeah, so yeah. I
1: know you but, talk you talk yeah.
4: about it. because very actually the very first year was in Jacksonville, Florida and then we realized You're
2: right. It, it was at the control. beach. That's right. Then yeah. you realized
1: we, where it needed to be. Yeah. Yeah. No, a, that's good. It was smart. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This uh,
2: was our second year having it at the Hilton Bonnet Creek.
1: Well, they're going to have to be a sponsor because this yeah. is the third time we've mentioned them. I mean, we're going to have to give them a call well, you know, seriously.
2: And, and Nicole, <laughs> you know, we actually talked about Dr. Mark and I being live on the radio during the Flacco's conference one year.
4: You know, that's that's a great idea for the ten years because we want to do something special for to celebrate our ten years together, and um, and different I people can come on and cool. be on
2: the show.
1: Yeah, you can you can talk to Absolutely, my uh, my yes. agent, Larry Jones. Uh, he, he can take care of that for you. He's got he's got all the details.
2: But well, you're I right, just Nicole. Make we Let's just
4: make
2: it happen. yeah, nice. you're right. That's our tenth year. We want to do some very special things. Yep. And uh, that's we'll we'll talk about that in our board meetings, Nicole.
1: Well, Nicole, tell us a little I bit about yourself and uh, your background. How you kind of got into this craziness that we call healthcare.
4: Well, I've been in healthcare, you know, my entire career going on thirty years. I, I know I must have started when I was five or something. But exactly,
1: um, that's what I it, tell everybody. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> but um, I've, I've done nothing but healthcare. I started on the payer side I was a stigma healthcare for four years, and I was with United for twelve years. Kind of did everything in the payer world, but the last, probably four or five years I was with United. What's relevant to kind of value-based health care is I led the national deployment for all of their quality and affordability programs, which is where we really moved the needle within a payer. We saved about a billion dollars off of fully insured spend in those programs, got really good at identifying the levers um, that drove cost and quality and, you know, access, the, the three pillars. And um, But we also learned, uh, myself and a few of us, you know, what we couldn't do within a payer. Right. And so left United and formed a company back in 2009 called Rise Health, which at the time, you know, it was before there was really any kind of value-based healthcare payment model, risk moving to doctors. Hmm. And um, we called it a PCMH enablement company, patient-centered medical home enablement. But really what it was was a way to how do we take those sophisticated programs and thought and program design and wrap them around doctors in kind of a centralized way to let them continue to be doctors but help them on what we saw really early on was this journey to value-based health care and taking risks. And so that company um, did a lot of cool things. We took over primary care for Boston Medical. We did some stuff in Texas with Catalyst Network, mm-hmm. which is now a very strong value-based entity down there. And um, it ended up selling to best doctors and, um, and then eventually Teladoc. Nice. And so a lot of the stuff that we created early on is part of that. But then we had a payment model when 2012, you know, the Affordable Care Act went through. And I started another compa- company kind of built on that rise engine um, called Orange Health, which we later rebranded to um, Citra Health, which was really what we called an ACO enablement company. Right. And we were running about 10, 12 ACOs, different, you know, level full service, a la carte services. But that same mindset is how do, we, how do we take data and really understand where the cost and quality opportunities are, build programs out, and then wrap them around doctors so they can be successful in these new payment models. And, and how does so how does Flacos
1: company. come in? Is that about, about that timing? Well,
4: it was exactly that timing, good question. Um, because, you know, at the time, you know, this market was very, very, you know, Wild West. It was a new market. You know, people were, you know, learning and doing at the same time trying to be entrepreneurs. And I was actually at the very first NACO's meeting in Baltimore. Yep. And that I was where there I met as well. Larry, and I yep. met, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And I well that's where I met Larry Jones and I mm-hmm. met um, many of the, I mean, I think almost all of the other members of the board, and I thought, guys, let's do something like this, but Florida specific, because I think all of us believed that the Florida market was unique, and it later, it obviously, turned out to be as the most successful value-based healthcare market in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it, it had its own dynamics that a national organization, I don't think, but help us is the same way. So we all came together, we formed Flacos and um, and I think. You know, a testament to, to how strong the Florida market is. You know, the, for many years, the two most successful ACOs, um, AC, um, uh, Palm Beach ACO and Millennium, you know, prove out that that, that Florida is a strong state. And I think yeah. it's built on a heavy managed care marketplace. But more important, um, and Larry can attest to this, is a, a strong independent physician-led yes. um, ACOs, diabetes health care, which really... Yeah you know, have no disincentives to moving that needle.
1: Right. So you just answered my next question was, you know, why, why is Florida so successful? And and I think that's, that's an interesting part. And I don't know, I don't know that I would have picked that out of the, out of the air. I mean, we know the Orlando market, you know, Larry has a better feature for a larger part of the state, but, but you think it's that, that sense that the independent positions continue on. I mean, do you feel like that, that's still the same fervor in Florida? I mean, is there a, is there a trend? Uh,
4: well i mean i I do think that's the same fervor even though you've got large entities coming into this marketplace, you know it's certainly changing. you got a lot of private equity, you have people like you know um c b s and Walmart and all these guys you know village m d with um
1: yeah, they target the Florida, Florida the same way. I mean, oh. they,
2: they look at it. Everybody targets yeah. Florida. Yeah. yeah,
1: I mean, it's just a, it's a population yeah. kind of right. thing, and, and the only thing that's going to keep us rolling, that's mm-hmm. the, the big difference, is yeah. those private docs.
2: And Dr. Mark Flacos, I believe that Nicole can confirm this, represents about 2.5 million Medicare lives mm-hmm. wow. within the ACOs within our organization. Is that correct, Nicole?
4: Yeah, the, the number that is solely built, you know out of florida florida base is closer to a million but when you take mm-hmm. all the acos that have chipped away and, and gotten members in yep. florida it's definitely you know upwards of two million
1: yeah wow yeah i mean that that's that's significant when we look at the total pot that we yeah. talk about every week right i mean that's a significant yeah. portion so, so nicole
2: good. tell our listeners what is an aco and what is its
4: function so you know in, in its earliest definition aco obviously stands for accountable care organization And it was really built on a Medicare shared savings program. So for those fee-for-service Medicare members, um, CMS, through the Affordable Care Act, came out with this contract that basically said, if you form these entities of doctors, we will attribute their patients that are, you know, Medicare fee-for-service to you. We will give you a benchmark, which means, you know, over the last three years, the average cost of care was, let's keep math easy, $10,000. If you can shave that number down by doing all the right things, by keeping people out of the hospital and healthy in home, by being proactive, managing their care holistically, engaging patients, so, you know all of the, the things that we've learned um, that, that make ACO successful, if you can do that and you can bring that benchmark down in future years, we will share that savings with you. It yep. started out, you know, um, track one, they called it, and it was 50-50, but yep. as we've moved they call now the pathways of success, you know, doctors are being asked to take more and more risk, and they get a higher percentage of that savings, and um, and so that's what the early accountable care organization was defined as. Yep. Now, since that early definition, we've kind of pivoted more to the expression of value-based healthcare to describe, you know, everybody that's doing those activities that I just described to, you know, lower costs, better outcomes, to create more access and we call that and all those activities value based healthcare and ACOs is yep. just a term that was part, you know early early more used early on um, to right. describe you know, the same thing.
1: Yeah and I think the, the terms kind of throw a lot of a lot of yeah. our listeners cuz the other so we sort of went ACO and then even though this isn't isn't an evolution of the ACO but the CIN the clinically integrated yeah. network and that's really more of a tool for what all these things should do, right? So, and it's right. just what it says, it's, it's an integration it of enabled. all the clinical services. Right. Is.
2: And again, you've got the Medicare Advantage. Let's talk about that for a minute and can just clarify yep. for our listeners. You've got about 64 million people in Medicare today growing at 10,000 people a day joining the roles of Medicare. And then you've got Medicare Advantage. Well, Medicare Advantage, we've talked we've spent a whole show <laughs> yeah, on did. it yeah. 3 weeks ago, Dr. Mark. Mm-hmm. That's already managed care and I call it value-based care. But in the straight Medicare world as Nicole mentioned, that's where the accountable care right. organization right. comes on. Mm-hmm. And if you recall, CMS has indicated by 2030 they want all Medicare beneficiaries Be on in some MA type plan. of yeah. a value-based program. Right, right. And so MA represents about thirty million of those sixty-four million people a day, right. and the balance are straight Medicare. And unless they're enrolled in an accountable care organization, there is no managed care value-based care. Talk about that, Nicole, because that isn't isn't that where really the rubber meets the road?
4: Yeah, I you know I think when I see the difference is you know you know fee for service before accountable care wasn't managed. People go wherever they want. And you know costs were increasing, but really I think CMS was saying, how can we shift more of the risk back to um, providers because so they really believe they had the secret sauce to, to managing medical costs. MA was an early um, way for CMS to shift risk off to these large payers, but really what happened is we we just got sicker patients. We got really good at risk coding, and the overall yeah. needle for the country didn't shift. Didn't, didn't move. And so the account here kind of came at it with a little bit different point of view. They capped that risk coding, and they said, you've really got to move the needle on cost. Yep. And so it's funny, these models are kind of converging. You've got big entities coming in that are going to be part of the account. I mean, these ACOs, ACO Reach is certainly a great example of that. Yep. Of these models converging, you had the stars that came into MA to say, you know, guys, you got to put more quality in this. You just can't risk code. And so, I, and I think they're pivoting more to realize they've got to move that overall needle and not just risk code. And, I, and so I do think, you know, health care is getting better because of all these models, but I also think there's a lot of places yeah. to go to make it even better. So
1: Yeah, I think, you know, we're going to have some huge gaps, though, because there's areas in the country where the, the MA plans just don't exist for good reason. I mean, the population that doesn't support it. That's a
2: disparity and health equity right. issue.
1: Well, yeah. I, think yeah. it's, I think it's going to be a commercial insurance issue exactly because they're going to be somewhat forced into that i mean nicole i mean you've been in that world too is that is that going to be a a non-starter
4: well i think they're you know they're they're not forcing them they're giving them all kinds of incentives got it feels a little better i guess and and sort of and um
1: hoping that it'll get to that that number yes
4: yeah yeah yeah, yeah but i but i do think that the, you know, the convergence into the rest of the country, who's not as comfortable with managed care, um, does need those incentives uh, to get them there. Which is, you know, you know, prescriptions are getting are getting costly for for elderly patients, and and so MA has more programs that allow for full coverage of stuff right. like that. And so there are some good incentives to go to MA as long as MA, you know, takes on the tenants of accountable care, which I, I do think is happening with this really heavy patient engagement less mother, may I, you can't have the procedure, you can't have, you know, more right. sticking yeah. decisions, sure. support to doctors, to, to engage patients on the front end versus, no, you can't do this after the fact. And so, you know, I, I see it happen.
2: You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. Our website is behind behindhealthcarenow.com. That's behind behindhealthcarenow.com. We'll be right back. Be right back.
0: You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry.
4: The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com.
2: Navigate the healthcare process like never before. Due to popular demand, Healthcare Now is also airing on Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. Join me, Larry Jones, and Dr. Mark on Healthcare Now, Thursdays at 7 p.m. and Saturdays at 1. AM 950,
0: FM 94.9, The Answer, and at
2: TheAnswerOrlando.com.
0: Well, you've
1: got us again. This is Dr. Mark. I'm here with Larry Jones, and we have a couple of guests today. And I tell you, we're having some really nice educational conversations. I hope hope people are... uh you know, so this is another one of those shows that has to has to be a little bit yeah. of note-taking involved, I think.
2: Well, I'm glad you mentioned that, Dr. Mark, because, you know, a lot of people are actually in an ACO. They have no because idea. Because their physician is enrolled, yes, right. and they have no idea no they're idea. in an
1: ACO. And it's important, yeah. because it does affect, you know, we, we want them to be. I that's mean, right. uh, studies are going to yeah. tell us that we're not just saving money, right? There, that, there is a significant
2: benefit to being involved in a value-based care program. Right. Nicole, you want to talk about that a little bit?
4: Sure. I mean, the, the tenets of value-based healthcare are, you know, doctors, providers are, are proactively engaging their patients. They're looking at data they never had before to understand, you know, those systemic problems that are occurring oftentimes outside of their practice and you know, the fact that their patients are going to the ER and they have no idea about it data enables them to, to know that and get them back in their practice to make, they, make sure they understand kind of both post-discharge medications, et cetera, which really does increase, improve outcomes. Okay. Things like, you know, they have data that, that tells them that their um, patients are going to five other doctors and being prescribed all kinds of different medications that might not interact well, and yeah. they can solve for that. You know, it's engagement, it's proactiveness, it's understanding when their patients should come to see them, um, the cadence of that, making sure they do annual wellness visits to get at really some root cause problems and be proactive. I mean, it's just, it, there's everything good about um, the actions that come from being part of value-based healthcare.
1: Right, and, that, and we were talking about that in the first segment, that you would not really expect, like if you were looking at, at, at things like, you know, building a car and saying, well, we're going to cut costs. And so, well, obviously that car is going to be less safe and, and slower. But in healthcare, here we go to car analogy. Again, <laughs> Dr. That's Mark. right. I had to go with the cars. <laughs> I use them too. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Ford versus Ferrari. That's right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, so here we're seeing very clearly because we're it's part of the model is watching the outcomes and relating the things that you're discussing and seeing that that our outcomes are better. And what that's creating is, of course, shared savings. Could you just kind of go over what shared savings is for our listeners?
2: Yeah. Well, you know, sure, a, sure. So, you know, it's been a... Go ahead, Nicole.
4: Yeah. Oh, sorry. So, so, you know, Medicare, who was the leader in, in promoting shared savings, and certainly commercial has picked it up, but under the Medicare model in its um, original state, basically they said, okay, we're going to look back on this patient population and determine over the last three years, risk, risk adjusted, et cetera, et cetera, the average amount of claims that were spent on this population. And that becomes what they call a benchmark. And then going forward, if you can reduce the, the average cost of care across that same population, then that that amount gets split between the government, the pays for it, and the provider. So it really does incent the provider to do all of these really great activities. And, you know, absolutely, it, it's the exact opposite of, of the car scenario, the, the less, you, the less you spend on healthcare, especially yep. hospitalizations, post-acute, better. The better because you're keeping people healthy, yeah, and and, that, um, and you're keeping them healthy by being proactive.
1: Right, and as a provider, I mean, our biggest gripe really in the last twenty years has been that year after year we're getting less and doing more, and this has been That's literally right. the first time in all that period where we can actually just be smarter and actually benefit from it financially. And it's not like, you know, they're running to the bank, they're keeping the lights on this way. Absolutely. So, so the next step is, is risk and, right. you know, risk is a, a really scary word yep. for, especially for Florida physicians. Yep. I think, you know, depending on where you live, everywhere, everywhere, yeah, <laughs> definitely Georgia. <Yep. laughs> yes. And uh, so maybe if yep. you can talk a little bit about yep. how you convert to yep. risk and what that really and, means. And
2: before she does that, let me kind of give a little background. ACOs have been around about 10 years, started yep. in 2012, right? And the first ACOs did not encounter risk. No. And we'll talk about how that all happened and how it evolved into many different types of models to today, 2023, the ACO reach, realizing equity, access, and community health is a f- uh, forefront. In the ACO world today, well,
1: I mean, I think the yeah. original we sort of talked about it, the ACO 1.0 yeah. was something described by it was our called government. A
2: Medicare Shared and, Savings and, Program, and
1: they created all these incentives that were like just cash to do it, and sure. you had all these groups sure. that were just throwing everything at it. Sure. And out of all those yeah. ACOs that were started, a yeah. tiny group actually emerged successful. So, so we've come Less a long 20%, way. Less than twenty percent, yeah, yeah. I think it was Nicole like fourteen or fifteen percent. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's we've come a long, yeah. long way.
2: So, so, Nicole, talk about yeah, I, risk I, I and how that works.
4: Yeah, so, you know, risk is a term that was coined by the insurance companies. And early on, it truly was risk. You know, it was actuaries that said, this is how long, you know, you're going to live. This is the odds of you having a car accident or getting cancer. And that is called insurance risk. But over time, providers, I mean, insurance companies started taking on more and more things, which really were medical, medical cost management. And so I think what has happened in this evolution is we tried to say the only people that can really do medical cost management effectively are the providers. And so how do we move that back? Because at the end of the day, you still need, even as we're shifting risk, which means you're making the providers accountable for this um, amount of spend, they still have to outsource the piece that is your insurance risk which is nobody can control. And you just, it's a mathematical equation versus the stuff that they absolutely can control, which is, you know, I have a diabetic patient who's not taking their meds. How do I get them to comply to that? How do I make sure my patients understand? How do I make sure, you know, I'm proactively looking at um, my cardiac patients and making sure they're coming in every three months, you know, they're, that I'm looking at their medications? That's all medical cost management. And as we shift risk back, It's that piece that providers can really do well. And then they still have to find somebody to manage that insurance piece. And they do that through um, surety bonds and reinsurance and things like that that take those things out of their, the things that they can't really control and offset that and and then really focus all their time and energy on the piece that they can, which is the medical cost management.
1: Right. And I think, you know, you get the physician incentive, and, and really getting in the toolbox of what we do day-to-day. And it, it definitely this model makes sense to us, right? It, it probably made sense to you years before it made sense to us, but, but it does. It makes sense to us. So how do, you, how do you become an ACO? And, you know, in this new world, the, an ACO with reach in, at the level that we've evolved to today?
4: Well, again, you know, we have all kinds of ACOs that have creeped into the commercial space. The way they um, incent providers, offload risk, it comes in it's a lot of different contract scenarios. You know, the beginning one was with CMS, and you have to apply. It's, it's an annual process that you can go through their application process. You know, the, the, the biggest and most important piece is you have to have enough doctors with enough patients to um, meet their minimum requirements of 5,000 lives. Right. Um, there's other variations even there, though, for seriously mental ill ACOs. I'm not yep. mental ill, uh, yep. seriously ill ACOs, yep. um, the numbers become smaller. You know, there's all kinds of different scenarios, different programs. And um, normally it's a, three year with, contract, it's a three-year
2: contract, Dr. Mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just yeah, just with the three-year three renewal. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's that's... a three-year contract, but every year an entity could have an opportunity create a
1: new one. Correct. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Well, it says, you know, when you look at all these pieces, I think you look at it from the outside and, and you look at the different physician care models. I mean, it makes sense that the independent physicians would be the most interested in this as they're, they're right next to you. Whereas in the employed models and the bigger hospitals, you're separated. There's a big buffer between the people that are managing the ACO and what the outcomes look like. And, you know, it, it really adds to that that who who do I trust? And so right. if you can keep the physicians engaged and I know that, you know, it's, you know we've talked about with Jeff, like his his yeah. board, keeping the physicians engaged in the whole process has got to be a little bit of the secret sauce. Yeah.
2: And, you know, while we're talking about ACOs, let's take let's give Nicole a break for a couple of minutes. And Jeff, you attended your first Flacos conference this year. Your thoughts about the conference and uh, and your overall view of what went on?
3: Oh, well, I was impressed. Um, Nicole's done a great job. And as I've got the privilege of getting to know her, and be impressed of her entrepreneurial skills and yes. all that she's put together, I met a lot of interesting people. Um, just a point of clarification: Premier Health Network in Augusta, Georgia, like many in in Georgia and other parts of the country, are clinical integrated networks, not necessarily ACOs. Because the ACO, as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, is that that an ACO officially has a, a relationship with CMS. Whereas,
2: or or a commercial payer,
3: or, or yeah. and, and I yeah. do in the case yeah. that in a commercial we we are we have several value based agreements, mm-hmm. but we're part we're not an, uh we're an ACO like in that we're clinical integrated, but we don't have a direct relationship for CMS. So we go through a company in our case, Vitalize is the company we're using to, right. in the ACO yeah. Reach program, gotcha. which we're just I starting. Nicole is very
2: familiar with Vitalize.
3: Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I was it. So for me,
4: yeah, and I think to add to that. Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. Sir. No, no I was just go gonna... ahead.
3: Go ahead. Okay, go ahead, Nicole.
4: Oh, I was I was just saying that, you know, to me, an, uh, ACO was an early term that was kind of, uh, they, many people associate it directly with the CMS contract. With CMS, contract, yeah, I think that's, right. Just, that's right. An, it's right. Accountable care organization can be any kind of contract that right. puts risk for shared savings with the doctor. That clinically integrated network, to me, is enablement. Yeah. You know, the right. enablement yeah. of
1: that contract. Yeah, I agree. I, I think yeah. it, it's it's yeah. a it's a yeah. functional yeah. definition, a right? So right. in the beginning, it was almost like yeah. a legislative definition That's because you exactly had exactly right. And yep. what we have now, because we we actually fussed with this a great deal at IPN. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. what what are we? Right, are, you yeah. know, are we clinically integrated? We don't have an yep. we don't share an EIN, and we don't share. An EMR, right? So right. can we truly be integrated? Well, actually, you can. You, can. It, right. you just have to make it happen. Well, the and true
2: definition will... is, are you clinically integrated? Right. That's what exactly. CIN means. And, right. and, and ACO, yeah, right. accountable and
1: care, that's right. Right. Is, right. is an that's organization right. focused on accountable yeah, care. That's right. So yeah. don't sell yourself short. Yeah. You, so gotta, I, you can I, be mm-hmm. whatever you want to be. So I guess for me,
3: <laughs> being with all these sort of rock stars at this concert, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. Augusta's further behind Florida. So I thought, you know, it makes sense. I met Larry at another conference. let's come down Florida people were way ahead of folks in Georgia, and, and that's just because of the the, the demographics, yeah, right? right? I think yeah. because the there's population. so many more yeah. 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 population four and a
2: half million Medicare lives in Florida. There was a yeah. financial incentive
3: yeah. to figure it out sooner. Yeah. So I'm learning. So for me, I was excited to kind of go. I feel like I'm gone to college. We're kind of at the high school level, so it was fun. Yeah. No, I think it's
1: I think it's you know mm-hmm. really it is. It's been a it's been a learning process, and I think there's a lot more that we can learn. And I mean, I think. To that point, we're getting towards the end of this. We got a few few more uh, seconds here, but I, you know, if you guys can both stay on with us for this fourth segment, I think we have a lot more Great. to talk about. Let's do that.
2: Yeah, you're listening to Healthcare Now: The Truth About U.S. Healthcare. Our website is behind HealthcareNow.com. That's behind HealthcareNow.com. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry.
4: The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com.
1: Well, welcome back to Healthcare Now. This is Dr. Mark. I'm here with Larry Jones, and we are on our fourth segment. We're visiting here with Jeff Minton, and uh, we've got Nicole Bradbury on the line as well. We had a really nice yep. set of conversations, yep. and we're going to we're going to keep it up. I think we've got enough to talk about, don't you guys? We do. Absolutely. Yeah. You,
2: know, I, you know, I doubt if the average patient consumer even has ever heard of an ACO, much less the Flacos organization.
1: Yeah. No. I, you know, it you came know? up. With Obamacare's discussions, and you heard, but it it really wasn't. It wasn't patient facing, and and this show is patient facing, right? We're not here. I mean, sometimes we'll educate physicians, but we're really here to help help our our potential patients and sort of educate them there. So I'm glad you said that
2: because healthcare now, our show is all about educating healthcare consumers, right? And Flacos is all about networking and educating accountable care organizations to do best practices.
1: Yep. And I think, you know, we can yeah. agree that this is the right direction. I mean, I think we're Without we're all doubt. we're all fans, yeah. obviously, yeah, you absolutely. know. And and yeah. but I I have yep. I have confidence that this is the model yep. that sticks around yep. for, for longer yep. than the other ones at least. Yep. You know, it's not to the end of time, but it's longer than yeah. the other and let
2: ones. Let me give you one quick history lesson and take a second. Accountable care organizations were formed under the Affordable Care Act in twenty ten. And there was a portion of that bill called PPACA, the Patient Protection Affordable Care Act, which allowed for the formation of accountable care organizations right. in April of 2010. Right. And the first ACO was rolled out by CMS in January of 2012.
1: 2012, right. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, that was a big – I mean, and I remember those days of people You're rushing. And right. I'm just kind of yeah. sitting back. Yeah. They didn't have a plan, right? Right. right? They They just said, okay, we're going to put everybody – in a organization, yep. and 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 this is this is how it's going to happen, and there just was yep. not a plan, yep. and so now now we have a great plan, and I I think maybe Nicole, if you can talk a little bit about the the new ACO reach model for 2023, uh, Larry Larry yep. mentioned it earlier, but let's let's go back and talk yep. that in a little more detail. Good.
4: Sure. Well, it's just you know it started as a uh, direct contracting entity, and with the m- new administration, they kind of. Um, pivoted a bit and relabeled it ACO Reach some of the components that was bringing in some health equity components, you know, in the benchmark, needing, um, you know, to focus on social determinants of health and other things that get everybody, you know, into the same level of health care. But basically, it's just a way that um, bigger entities are allowed to come in and participate in these. Um, it, it's all about risk. Because you're managing 100% of the risk with a percent of savings that you have to commit to off at the very beginning, you have options to pay the claims yourself and you know take take Medicare out of um, the the payment piece of it. Even though yep. you know they can still do it if you choose that that version of the model, um, you've got lots of flexibility to do some um, capitation models with primary care. You can. You know, you can do all kind. It gives it just gives the entity um, more insurance like plan design like flexibility as they're thinking through um, how how I drive cost and quality.
1: And so you know when we start getting to that piece, and I think you you mentioned earlier that the the term risk sort of came out of a, a different ball field, but now it's now it's in the in the face of the physicians who get very nervous when we start talking about it, and I think that. It, it's just curious to me when we we talk on the show a lot about the commercial insurers and and what their en, end of year pockets look like yep. and the the level that they have guarantees. So it's always been curious to to me, certainly, and other physicians, mm-hmm. if not everyone, that how how do we engage in, like, well, we're going to take the risk. Right. Because at the end of the day, the commercial insurers over a five-year period really aren't taking any risk, are they? That's right.
2: No. Well, on the Medicare side, they're definitely not taking any risk. Right. On the fully insured commercial side, they are. Right. But let me go back uh, to the original ACO models. They were called MSSP, Medicare Shared Savings. Right. And again, it was a little bit... Disfrag fragmented early on, and Nicole can tell you all about that. When they early the early adopters of the ACO program with Medicare, and year one, year two, and even possibly in year three, if you were in called track one, you had no risk; it was upside only. Yeah. What Medicare, the Centers for Medicare Medicaid figured out over the first four or five years of the program is that upside risk only didn't really save any money. Which and is interesting because it does in our world. It's right back to where you're talking, yeah, Dr. Right. Mark. Mm-hmm. They felt that if docs or ACR organizations didn't have any skin in the game, that they wouldn't, if you want to call it, hunker down and try and drive those costs down for their patients.
1: Right, right. But I mean, but in, in our...
4: Well, it, you just uh, to add to mm-hmm. that...
1: Okay. Go ahead, Nicole. Go ahead. Oh,
4: oh, sorry. I think it's just an interesting point to add to that is if you look at, if you separate... The independent physician-owned, led ACOs from the hospital-owned yep. ACOs, we actually save money. And that's independent. Yep. It was when you added in the hospital ones that you, that you lost. You, you just didn't achieve the goals that originally set out. And so right. to Larry's point, the um, Pathways to success, success, the first thing they did is said, high-revenue ACOs have to immediately go to risk. And those right. are the hospitals, of right. course. And then the other ones were going to give you a little bit more leeway to yeah. get there. Um, And then ACO reach just took them all the way to risk. Back in in 1819. More faster. Yeah.
2: Today, there's about 800 Medicare ACOs across the country, many more probably commercial ACOs. But back in 1819, when they said once you've completed a three-year program under track one, you have to go to risk, 250 ACOs. 2019,
1: I'm thinking. I'm hoping you're thinking. Yeah, 2019. I thought you were going to give me a real history lesson. Go ahead.
2: 250 I, I was, ACOs. I was waiting for that, too. Yeah. 250 ACOs dropped out of the program. Oh, yeah. Which is a risk.
1: Yeah, and, and yep. you know, yep. it's sort of yep. a, a chicken and egg argument, but mm-hmm. when you when you look at that and you say, well, you know, when we carve out the the employed physicians mm-hmm. and, and these these other guys and gals are doing a totally great job, the, it wasn't, the, the incentive wasn't clear yet, That's right? And the, the, more importantly, the idea that that following these these matrix this matrix was going to improve outcomes was not clear yet, and I mean, thank goodness it it worked out this way because there was a lot of momentum going in that direction. Which now we're in ACO yeah. two right. and and seeing yeah. seeing where it's happening. Yeah.
2: Well, but, if but I recall, Nicole, over the period of the ten years ACO, it saved about one hundred and eighty billion dollars in cost. Am I am I right on those numbers? Pretty close.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, these okay, I mean, yeah. models have definitely
2: yeah.
1: saved money. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but when you but when you looked at the way the model worked and it and if if it just comes down to not financial incentive, but but if you give if you're if you're employed, your incentives are are different. Your incentives are number of patients seen or relative value units yep. billed or amount collected, right? Yep. When the independent physicians have a lot more involvement in that those patient outcomes, and I'm not right. saying that the doctors of the hospital aren't caring; they absolutely are. Right, but but the way the system is set up, you're you've got a little bit of blinders put on, and because somebody else yep. is is yep. calling the shots. Whereas yep. when you're yep. you have to call all the
3: details, yep. I mean, you're going to pay a, yep. pay more attention. Well, you take yep. the entrepreneurial spirit out yes. of the physician yep. when you do that. When they become employed, they become more like a government employee. Not to dis- yep. disrespect yep. any man in government, yep. but. Yep. Because I'm def- now a government employee, well, but not as a doctor. So, but, but, but yeah, there's, yeah. you know, I I know a hospital but, CFO. But I, will
4: tell you. Mm-hmm.
3: I was just gonna say I know a hospital CFO that once the, uh, the cardiologists were employed, productivity is dropped. Oh, should, of course, right? Nobody's yeah. leaving. Those, those studies till, are everywhere. Absolutely, right, absolutely, and they're not, you know. Anyway, yeah. it is it's, it's just human nature. nature. but they're
2: an employee. That's the key. Yeah, yeah. yeah. right,
3: yeah. right. Yeah.
2: But you know, uh, and Nicole, what were you but, gonna say? Because I was gonna ask Jeff something. Yeah, go ahead.
4: So, but real quick, I was just going to say that those hospitals that did take on risks that really said, okay, we're, we're, we're in this game, we're going to do it, they shifted their focus on their physician health organization versus just filling beds. They created really um, uh, good incentive plans to incent the right behavior. Um, and so th- there are some hospital success stories out there that, where they really did try to change that, that, that paradigm. And so, you know, and, and I used to consult sometimes with yeah. hospital exec yep. teams. And um, and I just I would say, hey, you know, you can stick and be blockbuster or you can get on this train and be Netflix.
2: Well, you know, and Nicole, point, you might be interested that in that hospital. Yeah, you might be interested in this. You know, Jeff is oh, actually down here from Augusta because they are looking at potential risk. They don't do risk now. And that's one reason he came to Flacco. So, Jeff, it's interesting that we have a an organization that represents about 505 physicians that is looking at risk, but they're quite skittish about the whole process. Jeff, you want to talk about that a little bit? And then maybe Nicole can throw some some consulting advice in there, too. Well, I
3: mean, Premier Health <laughs> Network has done very well. We're at $2.5 in awards dollars. We've, we've done great contracts, value-based. We're doing a lot of... We're, we've got an HIE. We've got an IT platform. We're going all the right – but, yeah, at the end of the day, I don't want to be the first executive director for the network to take his <laughs> – to, to lose money in a to risk take situation. hit. Right? <laughs> take, I don't want to be that guy. Um, and so I, I want to – we have time to learn. That's why – so go back to the point earlier about CIN versus ACO. The more appropriate is to say, are we taking risk, right? Because yeah. CINs, ACOs, uh, I mean, particularly CINs, aren't, aren't necessarily taking risks. So – yeah, yeah. It, it does keep me up a little bit at night but i've is, in meeting with you Larry and seeing how you're doing it and kind of want to be more like you I'm getting more confidence mm-hmm. that if you get all the right pieces together at the end of the day though nothing yeah. ventured nothing gained and and I think we have I'm just going to say this I feel a social responsibility to not help physicians be successfully independent but to help the, the consumer of healthcare, our communities, yeah. and I think we have to go to risk.
2: Well, you know, it's it's about helping docs not only right. survive but thrive exactly. in this environment. Exactly. And Nicole, any any advice for Jeff? We've only got about a minute and a half. Any advice on the risk piece with Jeff?
4: Yeah, I, I think it's really understanding, you know, what those opportunities are for you. And then there's always that component of insurance risk, which you, you totally need to get a reinsurance partner because that's how you manage how much risk you're able to take. And it's it's really about sitting down with someone like that, understanding your true opportunities to move the needle in that medical cost management bucket versus understanding what is pure insurance risk and offloading that to reinsurance. And that way you manage how much risk you can take, and you can move the needle back over, every year. You can say, well, I think we can do a little more risk. And take less off that reinsurance because you know that reinsurance costs you to, yeah, to do that. Absolutely. And so I think it's, it's an
2: easy way to step into it. Yeah. Well, and, and you. Nicole, you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, even in our ACO reach program that we're starting up in 2023 with CVS Health, we are shared risk, but we're also stepping stoned year one, two, three, four, five to where the risk increases each year mm-hmm. as our performance increases.
1: Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, yeah. Yeah. both groups. Perfect. Perfect want it yeah. to work right and so they're they're not going to set it up for failure if they see a, a negative trend there's some there's some touching on the brakes mm-hmm. and yeah. so I, I think that that's that's a piece of it but i think i don't know who said it first but but we are all going to be in that risk dilemma so we have to see this yeah, kicking us yeah, kicking w- us there. Know, we one, yeah right. one one way or another that's but, right but well, guys, this was great. Thank you both for joining us. Larry and I talked to each other. I don't know. We usually get through an hour and we're surprised we can even make it. But, exactly. But this, this went by in like, in like yeah. 10 minutes. So appreciate you being here. Larry, any last yeah. words?
2: Yeah, just thank you, Nicole, for joining us in the Healthcare Now studio today. Uh, you've been an incredible leader. My relationship with you goes over almost 10 years. And uh, I really look forward to seeing what Flaco's 2023 does on our 10th anniversary. Thank you so much for joining us today.
4: Yes, and thank you for having me. It's a pleasure.
2: Okay. All right. See you guys next week.
0: Thank you for joining us today on Healthcare Now. To find the answers you are looking for or have a question, you can reach Larry and Dr. Mark by emailing your questions and comments to follow us at healthcarenow.us. And we'll continue our discussion same time next
4: week on navigating our complex healthcare system on on Healthcare Now.